Section six of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty one through eighteen ninety section six when it was the seven hundred and ninety-first night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that hasan said to his sister do thou tell them my tale for before them i stand abashed nor can i face them with these words so she said to them o my sisters when we went away and left alone this unhappy one the palace was straitened upon him and he feared lest some one should come in to him for ye know that the sons of adam are light of wits so he opened the door of the staircase leading to the roof of his loneliness and trouble and sat there looking upon the wadi and watching the gate in his fear lest any should come thither one day as he sat thus suddenly he saw ten birds approach him making for the palace and they lighted down on the brink of the basin which is in the pavilion terrace he watched these birds and saw amongst them one goodlier than the rest which pecked the others and flouted them whilst none of them dared put out a claw to it presently they set their nails to their neck collars and rending their feather suits came forth therefrom and became damsels each and every like the moon on fullest night then they doffed their dresses and plunging into the water fell to playing with one another whilst the chief damsel ducked the others who dared not lay a finger on her and she was fairest of favour and most famous of form and most fetious of finery they ceased not to be in this case till near the hour of mid-afternoon prayer when they came forth of the basin and donning their feather shifts flew away home thereupon he waxed distracted with a heart afire for love of the chief damsel and repenting him that he had not stolen her plumery wherefore he fell sick and abode on the palace roof expecting her return and abstaining from meat and drink and sleep and he ceased not to be so till the new moon showed when behold they again made their appearance according to custom and doffing their dresses went down into the basin so he stole the chief damsel's feather suit knowing that she could not fly save therewith hiding himself carefully lest they sight him and slay him then he waited till the rest had flown away when he arose and seized the damsel carrying her down from the terrace into the castle her sisters asked where is she and she answered she is with him in such a chamber quoth they describe her to us o our sister so quoth she she is fairer than the moon on the night of fullness and her face is sheenier than the sun the dew of her lips is sweeter than honey and her shape is straighter and slenderer than the cane one with eyes black as night and brow flower-white a bosom jewel-bright breasts like pomegranates twain and cheeks like apples twain a waist with dimples overlain a navel like a casket of ivory full of musk and grain and legs like columns of alabastrine vein she ravisheth all hearts with nature cold eyne and a waist slender fine and hips of heaviest design and speech that heals all pain and pine she is goodly of shape and sweet of smile as she were the moon in fullest sheen and shine when the princesses heard these praises they turned to hasan and said to him show her to us 
so he arose with them all love distraught and carrying them to the chamber wherein was the captive damsel opened the door and entered preceding the seven princesses now when they saw her and noted her loveliness they kissed the ground between her hands marvelling at the fairness of her favour and the significance which showed her inner gifts and said to her by allah o daughter of the sovereign supreme this is indeed a mighty matter and hadst thou heard tell of this mortal among women thou hadst marvelled at him all thy days indeed he loveth thee with passionate love yet o king's daughter he seeketh not lewdness but desireth thee only in the way of lawful wedlock had we known that maids can do without men we had impeached him from his intent albeit he sent thee no messenger but came to thee in person and he telleth us that he hath burnt the feather dress else had we taken it from him then one of them agreed with the princess and becoming her deputy in the matter of the wedding contract performed the marriage ceremony between them whilst hasan clapped palms with her laying his hand in hers and she wedded him to the damsel by consent after which they celebrated her bridal feast as beseemeth king's daughters and brought hasan in to her so he rose and rent the veil and oped the gate and pierced the forge and brake the seal whereupon affection for her waxed in him and he redoubled in love and longing for her then since he had gotten that which he sought he gave himself joy and improvised these couplets thy shape's temptation eyes as hoary's fame and sheddeth beauty's sheen that radiance rare my glance portrayed thy glorious portraiture rubies one half and gems the third part were musk made a fifth sixth was ambergris the sixth a pearl but pearl without compare eve never bare a daughter evening thee nor breathes thy like in cooled celestial air and thou would torture me tis want of love and if thou pardon tis thy choice i swear then o world brightener and o end of wish loss of thy charms who could in patience bear and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and ninety-second night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when hasan went in unto the king's daughter and did away with her maidenhead he enjoyed her with exceeding joy and affection for her waxed in him and he redoubled in love-longing for her so he recited the lines aforesaid now the princesses were standing at the door and when they heard his verses they said to her o king's daughter hearest thou the words of this mortal how canst thou blame us seeing that he maketh poetry for love of thee and indeed he hath so done a thousand times when she heard this she rejoiced and was glad and felt happy and hasan abode with her forty days in all solace and delight joyance and happiest plight whilst the damsels renewed festivities for him every day and overwhelmed him with bounty and presents and rarities and the king's daughter became reconciled to her sojourn amongst them and forgot her kith and kin at the end of the forty days hasan saw in a dream one night his mother mourning for him and indeed her bones were wasted and her body had waxed shrunken and her complexion had yellowed and her favour had changed the while he was in excellent case when she saw him in this state she said to him o my son o hasan how is it that thou livest thy worldly life at thine ease and forgettest me look at my plight since thy loss i do not forget thee nor will my tongue cease to name thy name till i die and i have made thee a tomb in my house that i may never forget thee would heaven i knew if i shall live o my son to see thee by my side and if we shall ever again foregather as we were 
Thereupon Hassan awoke from sleep, weeping and wailing. The tears railed down his cheeks like rain, and he became mournful and melancholy. His tears dried not, nor did sleep visit him, but he had no rest and no patience was left to him. When he arose, the princesses came in to him and gave him good morrow, and made merry with him as was their wont. But he paid no heed to them. So they asked his wife concerning his case, and she said, I cannot. Quoth they, Question him of his condition. So she went up to him and said, What aileth thee, O my lord? Whereupon he moaned and groaned, and told her what he had seen in his dream, and repeated these two couplets. Indeed, afflicted sore are we and all distraught, seeking for union, yet we find no way, and love's calamities upon us grow, and love, though light, with heaviest weight doth weigh. His wife repeated to the princesses what he said, and they, hearing the verses, had pity on him, and said to him, In Allah's name, do as thou wilt, for we may not hinder thee from visiting thy mother. Nay, we will help thee to thy wish by what means we may. But it behoveth that thou desert us not, but visit us, though it be only once a year. And he answered, To hear is to obey, be your behest on my head and eyes. Then they arose forthright, and making him ready victual for the voyage, equipped the bride for him with raiment and ornaments, and everything of price, such as defy description, and they bestowed on him gifts and presents, which pens of ready writers lack power to set forth. Then they beat the magical kettle-drum, and up came the dromedaries from all sides. They chose of them such as could carry all the gear they had prepared. Amongst the rest, five-and-twenty chests of gold, and fifty of silver, and mounting Hassan and his bride on others, rode with them three days, wherein they accomplished a march of three months. Then they bade them farewell, and addressed themselves to return, whereupon his sister, the youngest damsel, threw herself on Hassan's neck, and wept till she fainted. When she came to herself, she repeated these two couplets. Near dawn the severance day on any wise, that robs of sleep these heavy-lidded eyes. From us and thee it hath fair union torn, it wastes our force and makes our forms its prize. Her verses finished, she farewelled him, straightly charging him whenas he should have come to his native land, and have foregathered with his mother, and set his heart at ease, to fail not of visiting her once in every six months, and saying, if aught grieve thee, or thou fear aught of vexation, beat the Magian's kettle-drum, whereupon the dromedary shall come to thee, and do thou mount and return to us, and persist not in staying away. He swore thus to do, and conjured them to go home. So they returned to the palace, mourning for their separation from him, especially the youngest, with whom no rest would stay, nor would patience her call obey, but she wept night and day. Thus it was with them, but as regards Hassan and his wife, they fared on by day and night over plain and desert sight and valley and stony heights through noontide glare and dawn's soft light. And Allah decreed them safety, so they reached Bassorah city without hindrance and made their camels kneel at the door of his house. Hassan then dismissed the dromedaries and going up to the door to open it heard his mother weeping and in a faint strain from a heart worn with parting pain and on fire with consuming bane, reciting these couplets. How shall he taste of sleep who lacks repose, who wakes a night when all in slumber wone? He owned wealth and family and fame, yet fared from house and home and exile lone. Live coal beneath his ribs he bears for bane, and mighty longing, mightier near was known. Passion hath seized him, passion mastered him, yet is he constant while he maketh moan. 
his case for love proclaimeth i that he as prove his tears is wretched woe-begone when hasan heard his mother weeping and wailing he wept also and knocked at the door a loud knock quoth she who is at the door and quoth he open whereupon she opened the door and knowing him at first sight fell down in a fainting fit but he ceased not to tend her till she came to herself when he embraced her and she embraced him and kissed him whilst his wife looked on mother and son then he carried his goods and gear into the house while his mother for that her heart was comforted and allah had reunited her with her son versified with these couplets fortune had ruth upon my plight pitied my long long bane and blight gave me what i would liefest sight and set me free from all affright so pardon i the sin that sin ned she in days evanished quite e'en to the sin she sinned when she bleached my hair parting silver and white and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and ninety-third night she pursued it hath reached me o auspicious king that hasan with his mother then sat talking and she asked him how farest thou o my son with the persian whereto he answered o my mother he was no persian but a magian who worshipped the fire not the all-powerful sire then he told her how he dealt with him and that he had journeyed with him to the mountain of clouds and sewed him up in camel-skin and how the vultures had taken him up and set him down on the summit and what he had seen there of dead folk whom the magian had deluded and left to die on the crest after they had done his desire and he told her how he had cast himself from the mountain-top into the sea and allah the most high had preserved him and brought him to the palace of the seven princesses and how the youngest of them had taken him to brother and he had sojourned with them till the almighty brought the magian to the place where he was and he slew him moreover he told her of his passion for the king's daughter and how he had made prize of her and of his seeing her in sleep and all else that had befallen him up to the time when allah vouchsafed them reunion she wondered at his story and praised the lord who had restored him to her in health and safety then she arose and examined the baggage and loads and questioned him of them so he told her what was in them whereat she joyed with exceeding joy then she went up to the king's daughter talked with her and bare her company but when her eyes fell on her her wits were confounded at her brilliancy and she rejoiced and marvelled at her beauty and loveliness and symmetry and perfect grace and she sat down beside her cheering her and comforting her heart while she never ceased to repeat alhamdulillah o my son for thy return to me safe and sound next morning early she went down into the market and bought mighty fine furniture and ten suits of the richest raiment in the city and clad the young wife and adorned her with everything seemly then said she to hasan o my son we cannot tarry in this town with all this wealth for thou knowest that we are poor folk and the people will suspect us of practising alchemy so come let us depart to baghdad the house of peace where we may dwell in the caliph's sanctuary and thou shalt sit in a shop to buy and sell in the fear of allah to whom belong might and majesty and he shall open to thee the door of blessings with this wealth hasan approved her counsel and going forth straightway sold the house and summoned the dromedaries which he loaded with all his goods and gear together with his mother and wife then he went down to the tigris where he hired him a craft to carry them to baghdad and embarked therein in all his possessions and his mother and wife they sailed up the river with a fair wind for ten days till they drew in sight of baghdad at which they all rejoiced and the ship landed them in the city where without stay or delay 
hasan hired a storehouse in one of the caravansaries and transported his goods thither he lodged that night in the khan and on the morrow he changed his clothes and going down into the city inquired for a broker the folk directed him to one and when the broker saw him he asked him what he lacked quoth he i want a house a handsome one and spacious so the broker showed him the houses at his disposal and he chose one that belonged to one of the wazirs and buying it of him for a hundred thousand gold dinars gave him the price then he returned to his caravansary and removed all his goods and money to the house after which he went down to the market and bought all the mansion needed of vessels and carpets and other household stuff besides servants and eunuchs including a little black boy for the house he abode with his wife in all solace and delight of life three years during which time he was vouchsafed by her two sons one of whom he named nasir and the other mansur but at the end of this time he bethought him of his sisters the princesses and called to mind all their goodness to him and how they had helped him to his desire so he longed after them and going out to the market streets of the city bought trinkets and costly stuffs and fruit confections such as they had never seen or known his mother asked him the reason of his buying these rarities and he answered i purpose to visit my sisters who showed me every kind of kindness and all the wealth that i at present enjoy is due to their goodness and munificence wherefore i will journey to them and return soon inshallah quoth she o my son be not long absent from me and quoth he no o my mother how thou shalt do with my wife here is her feather dress in a chest buried underground in such a place do thou watch over it lest haply she hap on it and take it for she would fly away she and her children and i should never hear of them again and should die of grieving for them wherefore take heed o my mother while i warn thee that thou name this not to her thou must know that she is the daughter of a king of the jinn than whom there is not a greater among the sovereigns of the jann nor a richer in troops and treasure and she is mistress of her people and dearest to her father of all he hath moreover she is passing high-spirited so do thou serve her thyself and suffer her not to go forth the door neither look out of the window nor over the wall for i fear the air for her when it bloweth and if aught befell her of the calamities of this world i should slay myself for her sake she replied o my son i take refuge with allah from gainsaying thee am i mad that thou shouldst lay this charge on me and i disobey thee therein depart o my son with heart at ease and please allah soon thou shalt return in safety and see her and she shall tell thee how i have dealt with her but tarry not o my son beyond the time of travel and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of section six recorded by sylvia m b in washington state